Colossians chapter 3. I call this chapter the essentials to a life of prayer. And when you begin to read this chapter, you'll, you'll wonder, what in the world does that have to do with prayer? But the entire chapter has a lot to do with prayer. If we know to do good and doeth it not, what is it? It's sin. And so the Bible is written for our good. All of the Bible. Not just the portions that we like and that we have been taught to carry out. But we are to to obey the entire counsel of the Word of God. We are to follow it. We are to love it and obey it. And so we start with verse 1 tonight. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to talk to the Father for a little bit. And I hope that you have talked to the Father today, have you? Not just here in the church house, but have had you already talked to the Father before you got here tonight? I hope so. If not, shame on you. Let's look at verse 1, please. If. Now, that doesn't bring doubt to that verse. That little word means sense. S-I-N-C-E. Since then, since then, be risen with Christ. Listen. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Father, I am so thankful for the reading of your word. Thank you for the freedom in America that we have right now to be able to do so. And again, Father, I ask you to help me to be very loving, very sensitive to the needs of this ministry at the First Baptist Church of Hammond. And Lord, if I can't, as I have prayed hundreds and maybe thousands of times, I will have a seat and allow someone of the pastor's choice to come and, and do the preaching tonight. Lord, if I can be used, that's my heart's desire. I pray also tonight for that lost person that's in this room or maybe hearing on the internet or Zoom or some other way. Lord, I pray, I know the Holy Spirit's going to speak. That I hope that sinner will listen to that tender voice of the Holy Spirit 
and say yes to the greatest invitation in the world. And that is the invitation of, to accept, receive salvation. Father, again, I just ask you to use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Essentials to a life of prayer. How many of you would like to have a life of prayer? Let me see your hands. Amen. There are some things that you're going to have to do. They are not easy things. But they are things that you will have to do if you're going to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first one is found in verse 1 of chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. The Bible says, since you have been risen with Christ... Since you have repented of your sins and accepted Christ, you're in the family of God. Since that is in place, you are to do something. And the first thing that verse is talking about is that we are to seek God. We are to seek the things of God. Would you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33? We are not only to seek God in our lives, if we're going to have a prayer relationship, but we are to seek God first. He is not to be number two or three or four or number five in our, in our lives, but he is to be the first thing. Amen? The Bible plainly says so in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Preaching without application is useless. So let's apply that verse to the ones of us that are here tonight. Ask yourself, is God number one in my life? Do I seek God's will number one in my life every day? Ask yourself that question right now. And answer it with all the honesty that you can, can, can muster up in your heart. And answer that question right now. And if he's not number one in your life, it might be good to just bow your head or come to the altar right now and say, God, you're not number one, and you haven't been number one a long time, but I want you to be number one. I'm sorry. That's called repenting. That's called say, that is called saying, God, I am so sorry I have let you down. I am so sorry that I have quenched the Spirit of God, your Spirit, in my life. That will bring revival when churches across America will, will obey, as I said last night, and just be honest with one another because, see, God knows whether we are lying or not. And, and God says, since you are claiming to be my children, why aren't you seeking me? And he's wondering where the seekers are as, as he wondered in the Old Testament where the intercessors were. We shouldn't make God wonder. 
He should look at our lives and see that we love him. He should be able to look at our lives and see that, that we are seeking him every day. And, 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 and being there for him so that he can use us and where we can enjoy him. But not only are we to seek the things of God since we are Christians, but number two, look in verse two, the Bible says that we are to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth or on the earth. So what, what, what is that talking about there? What is that word affection? The Bible says, Brother Benny, I want you to set your mind on the things of God. Other words, Brother Benny, I want you to focus upon the things of heaven and not on fleshly things. Again, let me ask you a question. What are you focused upon right now? Where is your mind right now? If your mind is any other place other than Colossians chapter 3, you're in trouble. Are you, are you listening? We are to be focused, our minds, especially when we come to the house of God. We come to the house of God to do what? To worship God, to hear from God. And so when we come into the house of God, it is a terrible thing for a Christian to, to sit there and their mind is somewhere else. You would not like your children to do you that way. But we do God that way almost every time the, a door is open in a, a fundamental church somewhere. People comes in. They claim to be Christians. They claim to know Christ. They claim that they have been forgiven. And they sit there and they don't seek God's will and they not focus upon God. And then they wonder, why am I in this spiritual condition? And then Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, if you'll look at that verse with me, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 and 6, the Bible is very plain again about these essentials to a life of prayer. Romans, Paul says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, or the minding of the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded, or the minding of the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded, the minding of the Spirit, is life and peace. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I don't want death, but I do want peace and life. And the only way for Brother Beckham to have life and peace is to follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost, seeking God and being focused upon his will in my life. And that's the only way 
that anyone in this auditorium can have a, a, a real prayer life. If you want to play church, then you don't have to follow any of this. If you want to just have a mediocre life, you don't have to mind do any of this. But if you are serious and you want to glorify God in your life, then you're going to have to do each one of these steps. Again, let me ask you, are you willing to do that so that America can have revival? Are we willing tonight, First Baptist Church of Hammond, are we willing to get upon our face and begin to seek God and begin to be focused upon Him and make Him our life as we see in verse 4, the apostle was able to say, when Christ, who is our life. If I started down here with this dear brother and I walked around and asked everybody in this auditorium tonight, would you be able to stand and say that Christ is your life and you, have, you are seeking God and you are focused upon God and he is your life? Or if I started up here on the platform, or if I started right here with me, would we be able to stand and say these things? Let's go through them one more time. Yes, Brother Beckham, God, I am seeking you. I love you. I am focused upon you. And Father, you are my life. If Pastor Wilkerson right now walked up to the platform and I asked him, Brother Wilkerson, would you lead your church and ask your church to just line up around the auditorium and walk across the platform tonight and, and, and declare that they are doing these things, how many would be willing to do it and how many could do it. But we want revival, don't we? But we don't want to pay the price for revival. And these are things that Paul had to deal with. And matter of fact, he wasn't dealing with a barroom crowd here. He was dealing with a local church, a church that he had never even met but he had heard about them. And here he is dealing with these things. And we too have to deal with these things. And then when we come to verse 5, it, it gets real sticky right here. When we get to verse 5, Paul begins to have to deal with some things that most preachers don't like to deal with. So we put blinders on and we just let it stay in the church house. But before we will ever have revival, we're going to have to deal with verse 5. The number one sin in fundamental circles tonight Bible colleges, and I preach in all the Bible colleges. I preach in some of the greatest churches in America. And I find these sins in every one of them. And the presidents and the vice presidents and pastors across the land have said, Brother Beckham, thank you for coming and dealing with this. Let's look at verse 5. 
A very important word. It starts out that verse. A verse that, a word that we don't like necessarily. Sometimes it hurts to mortify. But what does mortify mean? Mortify means to put to dead, to crucify, to put to death. And so if we are going to have a relationship with God, we are going to have to be sanctified. A word that, that we don't like. Oh, no, Brother Beckham, you're not one of those kind of preachers that preaches on separation and, and being, being pure and being, being holy as God is holy. Yes, I am. And I'm not ashamed of it. And so the Bible is very clear here in verse 5. Mortify, mortify what, Brother Beckham? Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, if you have been risen with Christ, if you're in the family of God, you're desiring a walk with God, you want your church to be blessed. You want to have revival. You want to see revival sweep through Hammond, Indiana, and around the world because of what you do right here in this building tonight. The first thing you got the mortified, listen, fornication. Fornication. We don't, want, we don't like that. We don't like to deal with that stuff. But as long as that fornication is inside of churches, inside, inside of institutes, Bible colleges, seminaries, let me tell you, it will never be a place that God will bless. Amen. Amen. And notice what it says here, fornication. What is fornication? It involves all forms of immorals and sexual acts. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. The Bible says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. The Bible says that we are to flee. This is a solemn command of God. And the command means that man should escape from it. He should not try to stay to reason with it and to debate the matter. He is to flee from it. He is to run from it. He is to get away from it. Because if you stay around and debate it, you're going to be in trouble. And your prayer life will go out the window. Notice what it says here. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It wastes the body's energies. It produces feebleness and weakness and disease. It impairs the strength. It enervates the man. And it shortens his life or her life. It has no place in the life of a believer. None. It has no place in the, in the, in, in the buildings that, that we have dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't put up with it. Amen. Why, Brother Beckham? Since you have been risen with Christ, that's why. 
It shouldn't be named among us. But it is. 1,500 preachers a month quits the ministry. 2,000 churches a year in America closes their doors. That's terrible. And all we have to do is to crucify it and get it out of our lives. We don't have to let it kill us. We don't have to let it destroy our churches and, and our schools. God tells us how to, how to remedy it, but we don't want to do it. Look at the next word here, uncleanness. This is speaking of moral impurity, doing things that are dirty, that pollutes, soils your life. Look in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. Am I in the book? Listen, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. But fornication and all, and all, and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named, be once named among you as becometh saints. Since you are claiming to be saints of God, don't you dare let this be named among us. That's what he's saying. Oh, my soul. Brother Beckham, you tell us you love us. I do. And my father loves you too. But he doesn't love us when we let this kind of stuff dwell among us. Matter of fact, he pulls his hand away. The hand of blessings. If you obey me, I'll bless you. In other words, if you mortify fornication in your life, I'll bless you. If you don't, I will curse you. Boy, that's plain. And then the next one, look at it. Inordinate affection. What is that? That's passion. That's give, craving. That's strong desire. That's a driving lust. It is, of course, a desire and a craving for the wrong things, such as alcohol. It amazes me that, that there is enough alcohol in a lot of Baptist churches across America, enough to start their own private liquor store. Alcohol. Brother Packham, don't you believe in social drinking? No, I don't. I believe the Bible is very plain about strong drink or any other kind of alcoholic beverage. Amen. And I believe the Bible, and I believe I could let you see if we had time tonight, I could take, walk you through the Bible and show you that alcohol is a deadly, 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 deadly sin. And it is destroying independent Baptist churches across America. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because I see them bringing it down the aisles in these meetings, bags of it, 
bringing it down the aisles and throwing it in a trash can. And the pastor the next morning takes it and destroys it. An independent, fundamental, King James only, Baptist churches. It's quiet, isn't it? Alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, illegal drugs, all kind of drugs. Our people are just drugged up. And we wonder, God, why aren't you blessing? He said, because you're a filthy. Clean up, and then I'll bless. Obey, then I'll bless. And then there's pornography, the number one sin in our churches today. And it's not just among men, it's among females too. It's among children. Cancel men every day. Pastors across America. A 74-year-old pastor in heaven tonight said to me, Brother Beckham, I've been addicted off and on all my ministry. Young people in colleges, Brother Beckham, I'm addicted. I've been addicted since I was five, six, seven, eight years old. Where in the world did you get it? I found it in the house. In the house of independent Baptist members. And then we wonder... Church, we wonder why we're not seeing what they used to see. We would have revivals years ago, and, and hundreds of people would get saved. And it would sweep across the country. And it, I mean, from state to state, from state, and, and you see the Holy Ghost just moving in the lives of people, and homes are put back together, and, and, and people were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and was called to preach, and they go off to a Bible college and get educated and go to the mission field and serve God. But we don't see much of that anymore. Why? I'll say it again. We are filthy. We need to get cleaned up. Amen. We need to get cleaned up. Look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, 17, and 24 with me. I'll give you time to turn there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and verse 24. Brother Beckham, how in the world, how can I get victory over these things? You are right. It's almost as if you're looking right at me, Brother Beckham. Your fingers are pointing right at me. No, that's the Holy Ghost. And I would say to you, get off the pew. Come to the altar. Get things right. Don't, don't just sit there and endure it. Get right. Go back to the pier and enjoy it. Amen. Look at it. This I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I know we are Baptists. But we are, we are Bible Baptist people. Amen? 
Don't we believe in the Holy Ghost? Don't we believe that he gives us power to live a Christian life? Don't we really believe that? If we do, walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't have to worry about a, a desire to drink liquor. You won't have to have a desire to worry about uh, falling back into your drug habit. You won't have to worry about the pornography stuff in your life. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if you are fulfilling the lust of the flesh, that means you're not walking in the Spirit. And that means you're in trouble. Hello? Love you, church. Love you. Look in verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one of the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Do you, do you hear what that verse is saying? And then in verse 24. For they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. First Baptist Church, listen. I say this almost every night of my life somewhere. Walk in the Spirit. You young people that, that did this beautiful singing tonight. Oh my, learn now to walk in the Spirit of God. Don't, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life and get to be 40, 50 years old and then turn your life to God. Don't do that. Crucify, mortify your, your, your life tonight and you give your life to the Lord Jesus and you live for him. Then I want you to look at the next word. Evil concupiscence, sexual desires again, lust, evil desire. It is that within a person that pulls him to that desire. It grasps him. It grabs him. It takes hold of all forms of evil that gives pleasure to the body and its members. Oh, oh my. We need to stay away from it. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I mean chapter 1 verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. We are not to act like people that don't know God. Look in James 1, 14 and 15. James 1, 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and, in, and, and enticed. Then when lust have conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. God is saying, listen, church, please listen to me. 1 Peter 2, 11, dearly beloved, 
I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain, abstain, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against the soul. How are you doing? How you how you're answering the Holy Spirit? Because if you're born again, let me tell you, if you're born again, if you're truly in the family of God, the Holy Spirit is taking this and he's applying it to your life right now. What are you doing with it? Are you quenching the Spirit of God? Are you grieving the Spirit of God? Or are you saying, God, I'm sorry? Look at the next word, covetousness. Craving, grabbing, desiring to have something. It's desiring to have something when it's not needed. It is desiring more than what we need and more than what we should have. And before you know it, that covetousness will turn into idolatry. Then again, you're in trouble. You'll find yourself worshiping this stuff. You'll find yourself worshiping this and it will become an idol in your life. And you're in trouble. So what are we going to do with this simple elementary kindergarten message? What are we going to do with it? I hope if you have any of this in your life, you'll decide tonight to go home, wherever it is, and whatever it is, destroy it. Yes. Destroy it before it destroys you, before it destroys your home. Don't let it do it. There's not a man in this room that would let another man walk in your house and abuse your family without a fight. We would fight. Let's fight tonight. Amen? Let's be men of faith. Let's be, let you ladies be ladies of faith. Let's stand firm. Let's stand hard. And let's look the devil in the eyes and say, you're not having my home. You're not having my life. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Get out of here. Go, go and take a short hike on a short bridge somewhere. Amen. Church, are you willing to do that? You know what I'm finding? In most churches, about 10%, 15% does everything. You have a prayer meeting, about 10% comes. If you have a work day, about 10% comes. You have a Bible study, about 10 or 15% comes. But you know, I think the answer, and men, I think the answer, or I know the answer. I found it in the book of Acts. If the church will just fall in love with Jesus and get in one accord and become, become a New Testament 
real, a real New Testament church where all were filled with the Holy Ghost, where all preached with boldness, where all was witnessing. It was unity. They were all. They wasn't 10% doing the work and 90% sitting at home. Amen. The entire church, the entire church, the entire church was serving God. Amen. That's what we need today. Now, I've been told that's impossible. If, if the church is really born again, that is not impossible. But what we need tonight, we need for men and women, boys and girls, to make up our mind. We're not going to let COVID or nothing else stop us from living for Christ. We're not going to let nothing stop us from being what God wants us to be. And I hope tonight that you will get off those pews, get upon your face before God, and say, God, I'm tired of this mediocre stuff. I'm tired of a yo-yo believer's life. I'm just tired of it. And Father, I'm going to give you my life tonight. And let's see what God can do.